Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first official episode of Nerd Stash Presents The Long Box Hunters. Uh, we did have one other episode, but, you know, as we said there, that was like our, our secret origin issue, our, our era, uh, uh, zero, zero issue. issue. I can't speak. I just woke up. I'll be honest <laughs> with you people. But the first thing I said I was going to do when I woke up is come and talk to you fine listeners about some comics. And that's what I'm here to do alongside my uncanny co-host, Drew Garrison. Drew, how you doing? Doing good. Loving that you gave me the uncanny, uh... The uncanny adjective, because <laughs> those are some of the best ones. It's a, it's a quality adjective, and I decided that just every episode I'm going to give you a different adjective, and we'll see how long it takes me to run out. Uh, I just now realized I also forgot to say it's Tristan Benz. So hi, everyone, in case you couldn't tell by my voice. Like, I'm pretty sure everyone knows the Arbiter of, Arbiter of Culture Everyone right should know the Arbiter of Culture. The people always know their champion. You know, mm-hmm. they always know the once and future champ and the current champ if we're going by uh, the Clash of the Stash <laughs> rankings. So, you know, it just it just be that way. Uh, I'm ever present and I will always be with you, you know, no matter who abandons you. Tristan will Tristan will be there. But now that we got the introductions out of the way, let's let's get into the nitty and the gritty. So, with our previously released episode, as we said, that was just, you know, a little teaser to give you guys an idea of what we'll be talking about over the course of this series. Now, this is going to be our first episode where we have an actual structure, and one of the first things on that structure is, I want to ask Drew, what you've been reading lately? What comics, graphic novels you've been reading, aside from what we're going to talk about today, what, what, what's been tickling your fancy? Well, I've been reading the recent Thor run, and that has been pretty cool. Uh, For those of you who don't know, Thor is a bit different than his MCU counterpart. I think MCU delves more into Thor as more of an alien, while in the comics, nah, he's a full-on god. He hears prayers and everything. This guy, like, he's legit. He's got that god in him. He's got that god in him. So, yeah, so the current... I don't know the current vault volume number, if I'm being honest, because they don't have it on the comics. Yeah, and and they they relaunch so frequently ever since Marvel now. Like it's there's no point trying to keep track of the volume number. I want to say it's maybe six or seven, but I wouldn't put money on that. Yeah, I've heard somewhere that it's four because technically the other ones have an adjective on. Oh, the, like the mighty I, Thor and whatnot. Yeah, so I have I have no idea, but. To make this easier for you guys, uh, my favorite one of Thor is basically when he uh, is ruling Asgard. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure there's no other storyline where he's ruling Asgard, right, Tristan? Oh uh, no, where, where, where else would we have seen Thor rule Asgard? I personally, I can't think of it. Yeah, but um, that was being sarcastic about the MCU, right? Yeah. Okay, just making sure. Just making sure. Yeah, yeah. I was like, he's run Asgard before in the comics. I don't. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He's he's ruled Asgard. I think this is his like his fourth time becoming ruler of Asgard, and every time they ask, they act like it's his first time. I'm like, bro, Uh, he's done this. Yeah, like he's done this. He was a good. He was a bad ruler the first time. Good the other three times. It's like It's like you don't have to make this a whole thing every time. Well, you know, it's like how the MCU has to make him learn how to be a hero with every movie. Yeah, true that. But anyway, uh, this is Donny Cates' run, basically. So, 
if you're looking for the Thor run, it's Donny Cates' run. He has this sick black costume. Uh, he was Herald of Galactus for a bit. I think he was even called the Herald of Thunder, which is such a sick name. That is pretty cool. I, you know, I, uh, and this is embarrassing, I bought that skin, like, with money on the now-failed Avengers game. Uh, I wish I could have gotten into the Avengers game. I tried. I really I tried. mean, hey, Drew, now that it's it's done, you, you their final update, you can get every skin for free now. You know what? I might just download the game for that. I'm just saying, you get every skin... You know, I don't, it doesn't really, it doesn't have online anymore. I think the, the servers are shut down. But, you know, you can play the story running around looking like Werewolf Cap and Silver Century and Iron Man, you know? What more do you want? Hmm. Okay, that could actually be cool. Yeah. Yeah, but um, I'm re- reading the Thor run. I took Tristan's advice and I'm now reading the current Superman run. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's like, I am loving the costumes on them, by the way. Thanks for the, uh, thanks for the, uh recommendation the costumes of the superman run are just they're just i mean the 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 leather superman jackets the the superman family has over in action comics oh my goodness yeah it's like they're like the the t-birds except for superman yeah although i'm a bit confused because john's in this storyline apparently Mm -hmm. and i thought he just became superman blue over in his story well maybe it's action comics to set before don't think too hard about it you know uh yeah i i i know i should be used to like comic books having a character in two different places at once like wolverine is like the main example if if we can justify everything wolverine or batman appears in like we can give john a pass yeah but um yeah i also thought you would be on that tristan because it's like it's blue superman returning but it's but it's jonathan yeah oh i've I've been i've been keeping up with it i mean it's also it's got ultraman and injustice superman so i've been i've been keeping my eyes on old johnny kent yeah but uh those are the three i'm currently able to keep up with consistently all the others are kind of like "Eh, i'll get to it when i get to it Mm -hmm. it's like i'm trying to get into sins of sinister but besides the fact that it just has oh, like my, my um it's been been <laughs> it's been gas it's been it's been gas but i have but i do admit that most of the gas for me has just been oh my god it's my it's it's my mixing mashing characters it's the amalgam universe all over again i mean for me it's, it's mostly been god storm's still mm. so fucking cool <laughs> Oh yeah, Storm has had Storm has some moments like, in this stuff. The Krak- Storm has been having some moments for the entirety of the Krakoan era in a way that I feel like we personally haven't seen since the Claremont run. Yeah, honestly, I do. I do wish Storm and T'Challa got back together because I thought they were cute. I and her see. being like the ruler of Mars and him being the ruler of Wakanda, I feel like would have some drama. Okay, you know what? Let me see. Do I have room for our controversial opinions on here? Because I have a controversial opinion on that. I do not like Storm and T'Challa together. Honestly, I understand that. Well, it's because Reggie Hudlin literally just put them together. He's like, oh, like, you know, having our most famous black male hero and most famous black female hero get married, that'll, like, get more black people to read comics. It's like, yeah, that feels reductive. I understand that it's reductive and it's reductive and everything, but the other authors that wrote it took what was reductive and made it really really cute in my opinion like their time on the fantastic four was just well that well, oh, that's, that, that was Dwayne mcduffie that's the goat right there so we're never gonna yeah never gonna slander Dwayne, uh r.i.p but 
the uh, the issue for me, and I, you know, I had uh, on the Cerebro podcast, the host, Connor Goldsmith, he pointed this out, and that's what I was like, oh, no, that's a great point. That explains uh, why Storm kind of, I don't want to say Storm fell off, because Storm will never fall off, but it felt like while she was married to Black Panther, like, they could really barely use her in X-Men books, because she just essentially became a supporting character to Black Panther. She became secondary to him. And that's not where Storm should be. Like, that's why you barely freaking see her until they get divorced. And it's like, okay, now Storm's, you know, back. But that's during the, the, you know, the early teens uh, when, well, Avengers versus X-Men. Yeah, the post-Avengers versus X-Men era up until, you know, Dawn of X, which is like kind of like the dark times (laughs) where it's like, all right, now we're, you know, the all new X-Men and stuff, that's good. But then you get into... Yeah, the whole Inhumans versus X Men stuff. Like, it's just, it's, it's, it's not great. It's not a great time. They were also slandering my boy Hank McCoy, and I didn't appreciate that. Well, we're we're gonna get into at at some point. We'll get into what Hank's been got going on because Hank's slandering himself. He's, it's yeah. I feel like that's I feel like that's the writers because his personality has gone way away from who he was. I don't know. It's it feels like it's been a natural progression over the last thirty years, but we'll 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 do a beast episode at some point and we'll talk about this. Uh, yeah. But with Storm, also like with her and T'Challa, I don't know. It's just like Storm and and Yukio. I prefer Storm and Callisto, I prefer. <laughs> but if I'm being honest, and I know it'll never work between the two of them, but if I'm being honest, my number one Storm ship is Storm and Forge. Like, that's just, that's where I'm at. Because I love Forge, and they just, God, they, the way Claremont rolled them together in, in Life Death, oh my goodness, like, it's just... Ugh. Claremont did do a good, good run, but... Forge suffers from what I like to call smart people will turn evil syndrome. And the stuff Forge did during his smart people turn evil time just really kind of. I mean, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't great, but we don't have to think about that. You know, we just don't. I mean, hey, you know, Black Panther was involved in the Illuminati and helped destroy planets. So, yep. I still call every one of the Illuminati out on that. I do not forget that. Even Doctor Strange, even uh, even Black Bolt, Namor especially, because he... Oh, Namor's he, the one who pulled the trigger. Everyone else said, you know what, let's not do this. Namor said, nah, <laughs> I got that dog in me. <laughs> yep. Uh, I mean, even your boy Hank McCoy? Yeah, even my boy. I was say, if you're going to be... If you're going to take up the position of, of Hank McCoy's personal like lawyer and defense attorney, you've got to acknowledge that this man is committed to tomfoolery. He is. He ha. He has. And again, it feels as though like the writers pushed him away from what he initially was, because he was normally like the voice of compassionate reason in the X Men group. And then to see him turn into like someone who would be willing to destroy planets, it's like the one of the only two things I have wrong with that era of... You, you know what? You know what? Let's save this. Let's save this. Because we we did say that we want to do episodes about specific characters, and based on solicits coming up for The Fall of X, we're going to have a big Hank moment. The downfall of Hank McCoy may be coming soon. So I feel like we should save our Hank thoughts for after that, because I definitely... I, I think you and I are on opposite ends of the Hank spectrum, because as you know, Beast was also my favorite for for a long time. Like I, yeah. I also, I, I like Hank McCoy. 
I just think I have a, a different view of his his arc and his downfall than you do, but I think that'll be very interesting for us to discuss. And uh, let me see, what random, what comics have I been reading? Outside of my normal pull list, uh, which is just a lot of like big marquee DC stuff and X-Men, I have been going back and reading some older Fantastic Four stuff. I've uh, read the entirety of the Walt Simonson run. Oh, that's a good run. That's a good run. Walt Simonson is just he does he does not miss as far as I'm concerned. Um, so really enjoyed that. Uh, also started reading a bit of Spider Man 2099, which I've been enjoying so far. Uh, I'm trying to think what other. That's one of the things with uh, the Marvel the Marvel rebrands. It's like for some reason, no matter which one, the Spider Man title will slap. Whether it's Ultimates, whether it's the twenty ninety nine, whether it's uh the the sixteen. I think it was sixteen oh two. Whatever they launch a new imprint, like they're gonna make sure Spider Man is is put in work. Now, do they have that same energy for his main series? I'm sure we'll discuss that at some point on this very show. Um, but, oh, and that one, another Spider-Man thing I've been reading. Uh, I was reading Spider-Man Back in Black. the uh, Specifically the, the Back in Black arc from the Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man, because I'd already read the, the Back in Black era for JMS's Amazing Spider-Man. And, man, God, look at this. That was good. It was good stuff. I miss Spider-Man's black suit. If, if that was just his suit for the rest of the time, I'd I'd be I'd be a happy camper. I'd be a happy camper. Now, one other little, you know, random question I want to ask before we get into the main topic, Drew. What's a random like comic or continuity factoid that cracks you up? Just something that amuses you. Like could be something dumb, could be something cool, but just something you're like, ah, that's that's cool. I like that. Oh, I have a lot of these. Well, uh, then we'll have a lot of material for the next few episodes, but I only want one. I only want one. Okay, uh, gonna do something silly, because this is gonna be a really... We're gonna talk about some touchy subjects in this episode. Yes. So I'm gonna do something silly. Uh, One of the things I love is that during the eras where Marvel Comics was taking sponsorships and putting them directly in their comics, Aunt May becomes the Herald of Galactus and satiates his hunger with hoistus fruit pies. (sighs) What a time. (laughs) <laughs> I know, What right? a time. Comics are weird sometimes, man. Yeah. Oh, and she's called the Golden Oldie instead of the Silver Surfer. <sighs> of course I she is. I love it. Of course she is. Of course she is. Remind me, which decade was this? Was this... How many times had she almost died before this? Because it was definitely before she got shot. Yeah, it was, it was way before she got shot. Was um, it before Harry Osborne, like, quote-unquote, died? Like, when she was in the hospital at that point? Ooh, I actually don't know the year. I just remember the... Because so, uh, that was, what, Spectacular 300? I think so. Uh, I think it was back in 1975. That track, that's a 70s-ass idea. Well, then she already would have almost died, probably, from that bit when she got radiation poisoned or something. Mm. Yeah. At this, we we talked about this on uh, the the Secret Origin episode. Just kill Ame at this point. Like, <laughs> just, yeah, like, just keep like, making it, her younger like, and younger. And I'm like, y'all, like, you, this isn't... Pretty soon she's going to be looking like Marissa Tomei. Even the MCU yeah. is killed on May. Like, yeah. come on. 
And she still had a lot of life in her. I'm sad. I like Marissa Tomei. It's like, look, we lo- we love Aunt May, but it's like, it's time for her to go. Her storyline really has ended. We are, we are strong Aunt May proponents, but we're also mm-hmm. proponents of Aunt May, like, you know, get on, get on out. You know, she's, yeah. Aunt May hasn't been the same for me since, uh, really, I mean, what in Spider-Man has been the same, but since, um, One More Day. Cause like they yeah. just got to a point where she's like, she knew he was Spider-Man. It was like, great. They were having a finally healthy relationship and she's had good moments since then. Don't get me wrong, but it's just like back to the whole, Oh, I can't let Aunt May know. I'm just like, fucking tell Aunt May, man. Like, w- like, why are you not telling her? Just be like, Aunt May, I'm Spider-Man. She got used to it. And the way that One More Day stuff works is once he tells them, they remember everything. So she'll remember that she was cool with it. Well, she might also, like, give him a bit of a whole lecture about letting her die and everything. But otherwise... Yeah, well... Like, he needs to hear it. Like, I feel like like One More Day is the one thing that needs to be fully acknowledged that it was a mistake by Peter and MJ and the rest and the rest of the Spider family. I mean, it was, but it would be funny arguing uh it would be funny to hear the characters of the comment arguing. It was a mistake to let Aunt May live. <laughs> like, like unless Aunt May like becomes the next Doctor Doom, I don't think they're like it was a mistake to ever save you, May Parker. Well, my whole, my whole thing was that I I would believe May says like my time Look, I'm old. My Ben is waiting for me on the other side, and you have and John Jameson, like Jay Jonah's dad. Yeah, that that was weird. Uh, but that's that's a whole that's a whole thing. I think Aunt May would take the whole stance is like, when it's my time to die, don't waste your time trying to get me to live. Stay with me in my last moments, and then continue on your life. I raised you. You're doing good. You're Spider Man. Just move on, Peter. Yeah. Like, MCU Spider-Man, Aunt May dead. The PlayStation Spider-Man, Aunt May dead. Across the Spider-Verse, like, Peter B. Parker, his Aunt May's dead. Mm-hmm. The comics are holding on Aunt May, and we need to let her go. Alright? You're holding on too tight. It's time to let her go. She's good for Origins, out. she's good for Origins, and then good to come back and see how far Peter has grown. After a while, it's time for her to die. I'm pretty sure she's 130 she at this is, point. She is older than the sands of time, okay? Her yearbook was on a stone tablet. Like, let's let's go. Like, we love her, she's great, but at a certain point, she's holding Peter back. Just like Marvel yeah. editorial is. Uh, what's a w- little factoid that I like? Oh, well, this is actually a, a recent one. Um, and by recent, I mean, like, literally just this week. So, slight spoilers for the current um, Flash comics. So, if you don't want to hear it, you know, skip ahead uh, a minute or two. Um, so, Drew, have you been keeping up with the Flash stuff? I haven't been keeping up, but I'm probably not going to read it. Just because after the Forces War and everything, I kind of, like, I kinda like said, okay, I need to just step away from the Flash Okay, for so bit. you haven't been reading Wally West back as the Flash. And it's been widely considered one of the best Flash runs of all time. I have not. Like I said, I've only been able to keep up with, like, three series consistently. The Flash should be one of those series. Because, you know, Wally, Linda, they got a new kid. Um, and a third? Yeah, a third. A third. She's currently pregnant, but, like, he was... They met him from, like, the future, but they didn't know it was him. It's a whole thing. But, but, but... 
to reveal his name is Wade, and the writer Jeremy Adams named him after Mark Wade. I was like, oh, that's cute, because oh, Mark nice. Wade's like one of the most impactful comic writers of all time, but also like one of the best and most impactful Flash writers of all time. Like he created the Speed Force. Like he really solidified the Flash family. Like he nailed Wally West as the Flash for years. So yeah, I just, I thought that was nice and I thought that was cute and just needed a, a nice little moment of levity before we get into the main topic of uh, of this episode. Hey, maybe he'll take his dad. Maybe he'll take his dad's place as the second fastest speedster. I mean, his dad's the fastest speedster. Like that's not in question. Actually, okay, so this is actually another little factoid, but um, there's actually someone who's faster because she actually is the Speed Force and moves fa- moves faster than it. Uh, and I actually did not know this for a while, but um, she's also from the future because one of the things of the Flash family that you all guys will have to just get used to is that they break the time barrier like there's no tomorrow. Who the hell are you talking about? Her name is Lady Flash, I believe, but uh, she was injured in the spe- she was injured during uh, her run when she was around, and she got into the sp- she was put into the Speed Force. She recovered and became one with the Speed Force. Lady Flash isn't the woman who used to be part of Blue Trinity. Uh, like the Russian Blue woman. Trinity, I don't. The Russian woman. Yeah, I'm that's, not that's sure. The only who- Lady Flash there is. And then she became, like, you know, she started working with, uh, I think she was working with Cicada? Or was she with Vandal Savage? I've never heard of that for Lady Flash. That's actually, that's actually interesting. I'm gonna have to look that up. Yeah, so I don't know what Lady Flash you're talking about, but Ivana Molotova is the, the only Lady Flash that I'm aware of, and the only one that Google seems to be aware of. Okay, give me one sec. Better come with the fucking facts before you try and tell me my man Wally West ain't the fastest being in in existence. Yeah, I'm trying to write. I'm trying to write down uh, her name. I'm not sure how to spell it, but uh, that'll do. All right, let me look. Let me look it up. Say, since Wally it's not West Lady Flash. has been confirmed to be the fastest being in the entire DC multiverse. I don't know where you're getting your information, sir, because he is. He's the goat. That's why he's the goat. Okay. Like, this man mainlines. <laughs> That's why he's the GOAT! The GOAT! Exactly. So, don't, don't, don't come at me and tell me Wally isn't the fastest when the only Lady Flash there is is a Russian woman from Blue Trinity who then becomes a supervillain and starts working with Vandal Savage. And also, I'm pretty sure it wasn't Cicada. It was Savitar that I was thinking of. Savitar? Savitar? Oh, yeah. Like, I get Savitar is memorable because of the Flash TV series, but I honestly forgot he was a thing. Oh, comic Savitar is cooler, I think. Because he's not just evil Barry, like Dark Flash. Well, in the meantime, while you're trying to come at me with these wrong facts, saying that Wally isn't the fastest <laughs> being in the DC multiverse, when it's been confirmed, I think it's time to go ahead and get into today's topic. So... You assumedly read the title. That's right. Today we are talking about The Ultimates by Mark Millar and Brian Hitch. We decided this would be our first initial, like, you know, storyline discussion slash breakdown. I don't want us to get too, too heavy into spoilers, uh, because I think a big part of the show will be us recommending stuff to, to 
listeners slash potential readers. But, you know, there'll be some light spoilers. Like, we're, we're not going to do a... It won't be similar to Nerds Talk Movies, if you listen to that, where we're breaking down the entire plot, like, scene by scene. But, you know, there'll be a few months where we pop around, you know, we talk about some of our favorite moments, we talk about some overall themes, like if there's something that's particularly controversial that we need to discuss, then we will discuss it, but we will let you know ahead of time if it's a spoiler. So, okay, you maybe, uh, oh, what, you got, do you have the, the, this lady flash, do you have the information before I read the synopsis? Yeah, so, my bad, uh, she was, she was called Lady Flash as a Ter- as a term during when she was on when she was in her comic but like she's just the flash of the 23rd century her name is Sela Allen and yeah she's inside the speed force and she interacts with the real world by just basically sending her avatar out to interact with it but oh she, she first appeared in the in the chain lightning story wasn't it yeah like during the mark wade run yeah and she was confirmed to technically be the fastest flash now wally I think Wally had a moment where he did say he, like, was faster than the Speed Force. I don't know how that works, considering that his power is the Speed Force. Mm-hmm. But I guess that does make him the uh, fa- the fastest. And also, that character appeared 30 years ago when Wally's had way more feats since then. And he is True currently that. confirmed to be... He was, I think it was during the Flash Forward, like, that arc after Heroes in Crisis, where it's like, okay, he is the fastest being in the multiverse. Yeah. Wait, wasn't so, he like amped by Doctor Manhattan's powers and Tempest Fuganaut to do all that stuff? Uh, I didn't. I wasn't gonna read that shit. I just I did anything that acknowledged Heroes in Crisis. I'm like, I'm not doing it. Yeah, like that put me in crisis. But let's get into the actual meat of what we're talking about today. We're talking about the Ultimates by Mark Millar and Brian Hitch. Debuting with The Ultimates number 1 in March 2002 by writer Mark Millar and artist Brian Hitch as part of the company's Ultimate Marvel imprint, the series is a modernized reimagining of Marvel's long-running Avengers comic book franchise centering around an elite military task force of superhumans and special agents organized by the U.S. government known as The Ultimates to combat growing threats, both human and non-human in origin, to the country and in turn the world, as they slowly learn to work together and form a family-like bond with each other, despite their differing natures and personalities. That's, I mean, it's a it's a brief synopsis, kind of reworded from Wikipedia. <laughs> it is marginally better than a lot of the synopses we get from IMDb about movies that we like to make fun of over on Nerdstock Movies. But just a heads up before we get too deep into this episode. Uh, the, there's, a, there's a lot of... Um, there's, a lot, there's a lot of shit that did not age well. There's some pretty gratuitous domestic violence. Um, domestic violence, cannibalism. Yeah, cannibalism. Uh, uh, but, uh, you know, got, it was the early 2000s, so got to throw some of that you know, good old fashioned homophobia in there. Uh, yeah. maybe racism. I mean, they I, fight Nazis, but like that's you know. Yeah, and technically, when Steve wakes up, he technically says like, "Oh, there's only one black." Uh, yeah, but that didn't seem that didn't seem racially charged. It was more like, "Hey, like he," because he was saying he was friends with the one black. Guy. He's just like, "Hey, wait a second. There's only this isn't you're a liar because I know the one black guy." Like. And he thinks he's still in the 40s. We'll talk about that hmm. later. I, I don't think we got to put an asterisk by that. I Honestly, I thought that was kind of funny. Now, for the general discussion, uh, I have this idea where for every 
big topic that we're going to discuss, Drew. We should have we should have our big three questions, our trinity of questions, if you will. <laughs> oh, yeah, you like see what that. I did there? Yeah. So these three questions. One, why did we want to talk about it? Two, what does this story do for continuity or, you know, the mythos of the character or whatever we're talking about? Just because we don't always want to be a slave to continuity, but, you know, these, these Elseworld stories, they can impact how the audience overall views the character and they can have a greater impact from the general audience and there's definitely ways in which this has impacted certain characters that we'll you know talk about later and the third question is why should you the listener care about this comic so drew let's start with it's out let's start with number one why do we want to talk about the ultimates so i wanted to talk about the ultimates because it is basic the ultimates and the ultimate universe as a whole is basically what the mcu takes from the uh takes from the most at least design wise i think they tried to keep the mythos closer to earth 616 but if like if you look at the looks that they do consistently throughout the mcu most of it comes from the ultimate universe they take they even, take it's not even just the looks i mean it is 100 percent the looks too but i think what you're also picking up on is just the general aesthetic you know yeah. especially the early avengers stuff like now post the the big post the blip like they're moving into maybe more comic booky like and i say quote unquote comic booky as in not like oh we have to make it look you know like modern and streamlined like they're leaning more in, exactly they're leaning more into the traditional earth 616 stuff but yeah so keep keep going you're right i was just agreeing with you you're right <laughs> yeah <laughs> so uh that that was one of the things the other thing is that uh when like, this is more some behind-the-scenes stuff for you guys. When we were talking about what we wanted to uh, do for our first episodes, originally we... Well, we hold, let's, next... save, let's save with the other thing. We'll, we'll save what we're going to talk about next week. The other thing we'll talk about, we'll save that for the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't going to say it out loud. I was oh, going to say for, like, issue two, the one we picked for that one, when we were reading both of them to decide which one would be issue one, we felt like issue two is a good sort of response to what the mm-hmm. ultimates basically are. And, and uh, a nice palate not... cleanser from some of the more questionable aspects of this story. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that that's the main reason I wanted to talk about this story. So, uh, Tristan, what about you? What were your main reasons to talk about this story? Similar reasons. Um... This is one of the stories that most heavily inspired the MCU. Uh, and even aside from the aesthetic standpoint, just the origin of like S.H.I.E.L.D. getting the team together, you know, and the the fact that in the first Avengers movie, like, yes, they fight Loki, which is very much the original origin of the Avengers in 616, but he's also fighting the Chitauri, which are the aliens they created for the original Ultimates comic, which originally those Chitauri were just the ultimate versions of the Skrulls. So... It's weird now that, like, oh, we got the Chitauri and the Scrolls in the MCU, so then they brought the Chitauri over to Earth-616, but then the Scrolls are still a thing. It's just, you know, it's another yeah. instance of the movies influencing the comics in a way that I find irritating, but I digress. Um, and also, aside from its impact on inspiring the MCU, this, I want to talk about this, and this will also bleed into question number two a little bit. This, along with um, Warren Ellis and also Brian Hitch's The Authority, uh, it really changed comics 
in a way that I feel like we don't necessarily think about a lot. It led to that sort of, you know, bigger, like, widescreen storytelling, like, almost like an, a summer blockbuster movie, but just in the comic scene. And that's not to say that, you know, comics were light on big blockbuster action before, but it's a difference in presentation in this that I think has carried forward in the last... 20 years since this has come out. And also I want to talk about this because, um, you know, we're getting a, a resurgence of the ultimate universe this summer with Jonathan Hickman, the goat. And once again, mm-hmm. Brian Hitch, who we just are going to keep talking about a lot in this episode. Um, I was just going to say, if it wasn't for Jonathan Hickman, I would say the ultimate universe should stay dead. Yeah. But Jonathan but Hickman's, you know, he's, if he's, he t- if he's everything involved. he touches turns in, Turns into unobtainium. Get this. Get it's this like man over gold, unobtainium. Run. Get this man mm-hmm. to Justice League run. Um, but we're gonna be talking about Brian Hitch a lot because for all the faults of this story, just content wise, like fucking, it's gorgeous. It, it's mm-hmm. gorgeous. Um, so yeah. Now, what does this story do for continuity and mythos? Well, for continuity, it was sort of a fresh update on the Avengers, this all like all of the Ultimate Marvel imprint was. It was trying to attract new readers with an easier-to-get-into continuity, updating these origins for the modern age, um, which is funny now, because this is 20 years old, so it's not necessarily <laughs> modern anymore. But, you know, it was supposed to be a fresh jumping-on point for readers, uh, almost like a new 52 without necessarily destroying decades of history. <sighs> Man, the new 52. What a time. And as for what it's done for the mythos and the overall continuity, like I said, it did lead to more of that big screen storytelling with comics at large, but specifically for some of these characters. And I think mainly with Ant-Man, like this just with Hank Pym specifically, this has not helped Hank Pym's yeah. general perception. I feel like a lot of the negative energy people hold for Hank in the main continuity is partially directed at Ultimate Hank Pym, who is just an absolute piece of shit, scumbag human being. Yeah, like like six one six Hank Pym has made some mistakes. He made some mistakes, but he generally, but he generally d- does try to make up for them, especially nowadays. Yeah, even uh, half Ultron, which I think is a cool design, personally. I think it's a I think it's a cool design. I think like. As far as him keep his whole thing of constantly falling back off the deep end, that uh, this kind of feels like, yeah, it, it kind of makes sense, even though I know he wants to be a hero and stuff. But it's like, yeah. but that's a, n- neither here nor there. The whole thing is like, yeah, Hank has a bad rep and some of it is deserved, but most of it, it should be aimed at this Hank fam. Yeah. And sort of like, what other big impact? I mean... In a way, this is this is where we first see a a Black Nick Fury inspired. Well, that's not where you first see a Black Nick Fury because technically he first appeared in Ultimate X Men, but he looks different. This is where you first see the a, a Nick Fury based on Samuel L. Jackson in appearance, which then yeah. led to obviously Samuel L. Jackson playing him in the movie, which is dope. That was really fucking cool. Yeah, and then our six one six got our. Black Samuel Jackson. Which, which I, I'm just going to take a moment. I know this isn't an Earth System with Six episode. I know we have to actually talk about the Ultimates. We keep going on tangents. I cannot stand the way they introduced Black Nick Fury into Earth 616. Because that it he's was the, the sun? Yeah, it was the laziest thing ever. It's like, oh, okay. Who's who's this soldier we're following? I know where Marcus Johnson. 
oh wow, it turns out this this man is Nick Fury's secret son. Nick Fury shacked up uh, with a with a random woman, and now he's got a son. That's not a surprise. I'm sure Nick Fury's got a lot of kids. Just oh know, oh yeah, there. like he's he, like he man's was been no, around he for a century. No. He's he's a floozy as far as I'm concerned. But oh, it's Mark Johnson who's just this tough as nails, like cool soldier. Oh, and who's this? This guy with him, it was his friend Cheese, like, great, like, that's a weird name for someone, but alright, cool, whatever. And then, oh, wait, you find out Nick Fury's son? Oh, what happened? Oh, you lost your eye in this adventure? Oh, what happened? You find out your legal name is Nick Fury Jr.? Oh, what happened? At the end of the story, you decide to grow a goatee and shave your head? Oh, and it turns out your friend Cheese is Phil Coulson, and now you just work at S.H.I.E.L.D.? Like, what? Comics are dumb. (laughs) Comics can be comics are dumb, all right, and then they just totally write off original Nick Fury, like, and then they kind of make him a bad guy. Which honestly, I thought that was cool. Like, oh, he's out here like committing cosmic war crimes to keep Earth safe. That's interesting. Like, let's do more with that. And then they they just stick his ass on the moon to take the place of Uatu after they killed him. And it's like I like I I I, I like original Nick Fury. I would like current Nick Fury more if they explored his potential relationship with his father a bit more. It's just like, okay, you're just Nick Fury now. And it's like they never really acknowledged that he's not the first Nick Fury. Like, they kind of yeah. just treat... The thing that bothered me is they kind of just treat him like, oh, this is just Nick Fury now. It's like, what? 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 Why? Like, you don't know that... People are talking like, oh, yeah, well, all right, Fury. You don't know this man. Like, develop a relationship with him. Yeah, okay, last tangent, then let's go. So there's this one scene where Cyclops tries to strong-arm a classic Nick Fury, the white Nick Fury. And Nick F- and this guy is with, and this guy has literally the entire X-Men. He has people who can read minds or can look at Nick Fury and then, boom, he's dead. Nick Fury literally He can look just, at Nick Fury and then he's dead. Yeah, so Nick Fury just puts his feet up and says, boy, you want to try something, go ahead. That is Nick Fury. He is the guy who Wolverine respects because he fought in a war. They fought in a war together. This is the guy that had. This is the guy who. Um, I'm not fully sure if like that was retconned out, but at one point he was he was fighting with Captain America. Oh yeah, no, he was he was in World War II with Captain America. He was he led the Howling Commandos. Yeah, sometimes sometimes they like to retcon that out of his origin sometimes, and it's like, it's weird, but it's like, I'm glad that they kept that. No, he's he's just been around this long because of the Infinity Formula. Yeah, the, the Infinity Formula, and uh, it stopped working and everything. I remember, I remember. But, um, yeah, that's Nick, Fu- that's Nick Fury. Like, I really like Samuel Nick Fury, because that's who he is, but it's like, he's not OG Nick Fury. He shouldn't have Maria Hill's respect right away. He should not be just immediately garnering the respect of all these superheroes, when, in truth, he hasn't done anything yet. Yeah. And it, you know, I don't want us to fall into that trap where it sounds like, oh, he's gotta earn it, because that is the argument that a lot of, like, incels use when they complain about, oh, these woke comic characters just coming in and, and you know, just taking the place and they didn't earn it. Which, like, you know, that's a disclaimer. Drew and I are both black men. Like, yeah, I think we're justified in being annoyed that they just wanted to have Samuel L. Jackson in the main universe, so they just found a quick and easy way to do it with no real sort of character development. That's that's all it is. That's all that bothers me. If he had been in more than just a five-issue miniseries that didn't end with him just being like, all right, you're part of S.H.I.E.L.D. now, 
And then they just immediately jump in with, yep, he's running S.H.I.E.L.D. Well, he didn't actually run it, but you know what I mean. It's like, he's just the Nick Fury we know now. It's like, what? Like, I want some character development. I want it. Mm -hmm. He could be even cool. I mean, it was cool they gave him Cap's, like, Winter Soldier fit. You know, the the super soldier, like, with the white uh, uh, star in the middle. Like, that was cool. I liked that. Do more with that. Anyway, let's talk about, let's, let's get back to, to Ultimates. We can, we can talk about Nick Fury later. We could have a Nick Fury episode if we want. I'd be down for that. So, yeah, that's what, the, and that's a long <laughs> way of saying what the Ultimates did for continuity. <laughs> and, and yeah, it's like, it, it was so good, it literally affected the main universe. We yeah. even got Miles Morales now in the main universe. Well, yeah, that, and we're not, we're not going to complain about that. We're not going to complain nope. about that. And now the third question is, why should you care about this? Really just, I mean, all the reasons we listed before, it was a hugely influential comic book. It inspired the MCU in a lot of ways. Um, and it was successful. It like, was very successful. It, like, it did Crazy Town Banana Pants. Like, it, it really... If, if you can look past a lot of the things we're going to talk about that do not age well, like, the basic story is solid. And it's interesting. And yeah. it's gorgeous artwork. Like, and I, I totally understand if it's not everybody's cup of tea, like the actual story itself, because like, like we say, and we're going to get into it. There are quite a few things where it's like, oof, that is not like, how did that make it to print? That's not an okay thing to say, but yeah. you know, it, it, it was a different time. Like, you know, if, if you can take things with a, with a grain of salt, then I, I think this could be, uh, uh, I think this will probably be one of our more controversial, like why you should care about this sort of things mm -hmm. <sighs> now let's get into our free-for-all discussion i have a few you know springboard questions here but really this will be a more free-flowing sort of uh conversation but i do want to go ahead and ask you drew because i know you always have opinions on this how do you feel about the way the story portrays certain characters some of them I'm fine with it since technically it's like most of them had like, I don't know, a five issue origin story and then we don't have anything else. So we don't know where their character's going to go for a while. Mm -hmm. Others, I'm like, well, that's a direction. <laughs> what are the, what are, what are some of the ones where you're like, hmm, that's a direction. So, uh, the Hulk being the biggest one, like yeah. Bruce Banner and the Hulk. The Hulk like, is, the Hulk is a a character in this for sure like wow this is the inspiration for old man hulk huh mm. yeah so. uh for anyone wondering what we're talking about this hulk like kind of eats people um yeah he, there's he no like real two ways around and he's he's a weirdo uh the hulk says some some creepy things uh in general like it's also like somewhat sexually threatening things like in a in a very uncomfortable way uh just yeah so uh what basically what basically uh he does because i'm pretty sure this circled around the internet for a bit was that bruce was jealous that betty was not paying attention to him yes that and he was he was uh feeling insecure about not being able to crack the super soldier formula. Yeah. So, uh, he, uh, so after being cured from the Hulk, canonically cured, he, he was uh, cured. He was done. Yep. He, uh, he went back on the bandwagon like a, and, uh, just shot himself up with Hulk, with Hulk serum and apparently, and, and, uh, and he mixed it with, stuff. yeah, well, he mixed it with, uh, 
samples from Cap's blood, like with the Super Soldier Serum. So it was an even stronger Hulk than the one that had already appeared in the Ultimate uh, Universe. Yeah, and uh, basically he called Betty to warn her, told her to get the Ultimates and everything. But then she was like angry at him saying, look, I'm at dinner with Freddie Prince Jr. She was at dinner with Freddie Prince Jr., everybody. (laughs) Freddie Prince Jr. Noted Star Wars fan, Freddie Prince Jr. (laughs) Icon. Idol to millions. Icon icon and legend. (laughs) But uh, yeah, so so Hulk came up. Came up and he's like, like Betty, don't go with Freddie Prince Jr. Yeah, Banner's Hulk goes on a rampage York. in Midtown New York, like right in in Manhattan, to try and kill Freddie Prince Jr. so that he can uh, uh, bang Betty. Bang Betty. I was trying to find a better word to say, but he's trying to bang Betty. Hulk is yeah. Hulk is trying to to um make make. I don't want to say make Hulk, Hulk babies. Betty. He's trying to make Hulk babies, and I, you know, then this is where it comes in where I was like, it's vaguely, well, it's not even vaguely, it's pretty sexually threatening. I don't necessarily know that Hulk's like, I don't know that this Hulk is going to re- respect consent. It's it's just a, it's a very uncomfortable sort of uh, energy that this Hulk has. Also, a lot of people die in this, because he's like rampaging in men, and I think it, the death toll ends up being like 300 or something. Mm-hmm. And he's and he's tearing through buildings. Yeah, he's stuff, tearing so. through buildings. Like Banner uses the excuse of like, oh, like, well, the Ultimates needed something to fight so that they they can be justified in existing because they hadn't yet had a big threat. So far, it had just been a big PR thing. Uh, so that and and that's the thing. That in a nutshell is one of the I'll say sticky points with the Ultimates. There's so many. And really, the Ultimate Universe at large, which is why I'm one of the few people that would like to see aspects of Ultimate X-Men adapted for the X-Men movies in the MCU. There's so many interesting ideas and, like, really cool potential to explore, but they don't take it far enough, and the way it's presented is always just at least marginally icky in a certain way. Like, the idea of Bruce Banner and Hulk being so insecure and like desperate that he feels he has to inject himself with his Hulk serum to a get Betty's attention, but also like justify his place within shield with the ultimates. That's very interesting. That's cool. Then they take it too far with like Hulk running around and, you know, vaguely calling people like homophobic slurs and, and eating people and, and trying to, we we could say trying to assault Betty. Like if he can get to her, like that, that aspect of it's like, okay, you took it, you took the Hulk stuff too far. The banner side is interesting. The Hulk stuff is just like, this is, this is weird and uncomfortable. I mean, it leads to some great visuals, like really cool fights with the ultimates and, and the Hulk, but and I mean, Captain way, America rides a tank. Captain America a rides a tank. He drop kicks Hulk in the nads, and that looked really cool. Which, speaking of character portrayals, we'll get to Captain America, but he's definitely stronger in the Ultimate Universe, like physically, than he yeah. is in the main universe. And I personally find that really interesting. Um, but yeah, so Mark Millar's writing, like in general, he's a he's not a terrible writer. He's not even a bad writer, but. His worst he takes impulses, some stuff too far. He takes it, his worst impulse exactly is that he takes things way too far and it gets gratuitous. It gets uh, purient. It's like, all right, this is like it. It's never 
I'll put this way, anything that would be on Law & Order SVU, like that sort of thing, is present more frequently in his comics than it should be. But it's it rarely ever feels like it's there to actually explore the impact on the characters and, like, actually develop, like, some real character work. It usually feels more like it's there for shock value, and it almost feels like it's there not necessarily to titillate you, but to be like, oh, yeah, like, we're edgy, and, like, this is a thing that happened. Like, it's just, like, this isn't... This does not contribute anything positive to the story. And that's not me saying that, oh, you know, comics can only ever had good things happen to them, but what I mean is it never really feels like it's moving the story forward or moving the characters in a direction that's actually going to be explored. It just always feels cheap and used for like a shock value type thing to be like, yeah, comics are grown up. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, it's like that pseudo grown up thing where it's like you're a teenager and you're starting to get into the adult world and you think just saying some of the more raunchy stuff. Yeah. It's like, Oh, I can say fuck now. I'm a grown up. It's like, no, that's just, it's juvenile. It's juvenile. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's one of the big issues with this story in journal and going on to character portrayals. That's one of the big issues with Hank Pym in this. And now in the original 616, you know, it's, yeah, we, everyone is familiar with Hank Pym striking his then wife, Janet Van Dyne, you know, yellow jacket at the time hitting the wasp. And obviously domestic violence, not okay in any context. Like, you know, we, we support survivors and, and victims yeah. here. But the thing about the incident in the Earth 616 universe in the main continuity is that was Hank, A, in the midst of, like, a nervous breakdown. And, like, just, like, it was not portrayed as, oh, they're, uh, they're in an abusive relationship. He was freaking out and, like, flipped out and, and smacked her, which obviously still terrible, not okay, but it was a quote-unquote isolated incident. But furthermore, that, the it was portrayed that way because of a miscommunication between the writer and the artist. Like, it yeah. wasn't supposed to be that Hank, like, hit Janet super, like, like, center flying across the room. Like, he was supposed to just be, like, flailing or something and, like, accidentally struck her. Like, it wasn't supposed to be an intentional backhanded slap. And then, yeah. obviously, like, he got, you know, he was under trial with the Avengers. Like, it was a whole thing. And it, it's something that has stained the character ever since then. Whereas, this version of Hank Pym is clearly... Oh, no, he's an asshole. He's an asshole. He's an abusive asshole. Like, Betty Ross says, like, it's been aware of... Like, this is something that's been going on with Hank and Janet, like, since they were together in college. Like, it is clearly a terribly toxic, unhealthy relationship that neither of them needs to be together. They both need therapy. Hank should be in prison. He nearly kills her twice. She shrinks down. He sprays her with bug spray and then has ants, like, attack her. Like, that's... Mm -hmm. Like, it's monstrous. Like, it's it's yeah. terrible stuff. And he is a horrible person in this. And then you, you know, not to spoil in case we ever do Ultimates too, but he keeps being a dick. Like, he keeps being a bad person. Uh, yeah, it's like, it's a, it's a textbook abusive relationship where the abuser, the abuser always, like, tries to hold off blame mm -hmm. onto someone else. 
That, that that's one of I think Hulk and and Pym are the two that have like at least in this story. So we'll get to what happens with some, <laughs> some other characters in Ultimates too. But at least in Ooh. this story, I think Pym and Banner are the two that are the most I'll say harmed by this portrayal. And I wouldn't even say mm. uh, Banner. I would say Hulk because the Banner character I find very interesting in this. But his Hulk yeah. persona that's a whole other bag of bag of potatoes um but on the flip side for character portrayals obviously this samuel jackson fury is cool as shit like Mm -hmm. he's cool it's just samuel jackson so it's like all right yeah this is the cool it's like they pretty much they pretty much model everything about him off of that like the speech patterns like this is the coolest man on the planet like i have no issue with this portrayal i get why they wanted to bring him into the main continuity if they'd made him act (laughs) more like samuel l jackson in the main continuity i'd be cooler with him uh yeah so sam uh, nick fury i was about to call him samuel l jackson in this uh (laughs) nick fury in this basically is he basically (laughs) is nick fury is cool um i like this version of tony stark like he's still a devil may care like this he's, he's clearly an alcoholic um but mm-hmm. it's interesting because he's got a like a, a a brain tumor so he's like he's living every day like his last and like still trying to make a a decent change on the world in a way that i find interesting um yeah. captain america is interesting <laughs> in this because he's very like okay so this is somebody from the 40s but like yeah. i mean he's not like racist he's not calling nick fury any slurs or anything but he's very confused by the present in a way that's like all right interesting yeah they also get they also give him this nice little side story that's going to be developed through the ultimates as it goes on but Mm. it's like he finds out his best friend and his ex-fiance or was it his wife i'm pretty sure she was his fiance when he quote unquote died yeah, and it's like they it's like they got married and they had kids and everything. And grandkids. Yeah, and he He's got to find his like, place. It in just the world. Ta- yeah, he finds he gotta find his place in the world. It takes him back. His old fiance doesn't wanna doesn't wanna see him because she's not who he remembers when he fell into the ice. Mm-hmm. Although it's, I will say, like that moment where he and because we we can I'll go ahead and spoil this small thing. His old friend is Bucky. Bucky's not Winter Soldier in this universe because this was during this 20 years ago before Winter Soldier became a thing. So it was just, oh, the twist is that Bucky survived in this world. Like, so it's just Bucky as an old man. So the moment where they reunite and they hug, like that's, that's honestly, that's one of my spoiler, one of my favorite moments in the, in the, the, the whole series. Yeah, it's very, it's, it's very wholesome. And it's like Captain America is definitely more hardcore I think they describe him in the forward as like Brad Brad Pitt's body or whatever, but like John McCain politics. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. And yeah. he's I mean, that's clear in the <laughs> at the end when he's fighting um the the villain and the guy's like, Oh, why don't you just surrender? And he says, Do you think this A on my forehead stands for France? It's like, Okay, sure, that's someone from 1945 or whatever that's something you say but like now I, mm-hmm. I you know i don't necessarily know that you know that'd be the best thing in the world to to get across it's funny it's really funny but i don't know that <laughs> yeah. someone born in you know the time this was what 
this was 2002, so a normal person his age would have been born like 1980-whatever. So I guess, I don't think someone yeah. in 1980 would have thought to make that reference. Yeah. I also I also do something else with Cap Story, rereading it. It it kills me how much you can see times have changed for us in the story. It's kind of like a time capsule. Just by how Brooklyn is portrayed in story. Because mm-hmm. if, like, if you go to Brooklyn today... A lot of development has been done in the area, so where it doesn't have all, so it doesn't have like all those uh nearly um breaking apart apartments, the derelict buildings and whatnot. Yeah, the yeah the derelict buildings, and now it's and now with um Cap going back back during the two thousand during the two thousands because this like, was like we said this was two thousand two, and I think it, yeah I think the last few issues were in two thousand three, but it was still like very early on. And it's got Cap just like saying, "Hey, I'm gonna live in Brooklyn still," and it's like it's this, it's these old apartments and everything. It's a very much, it's very much this building has not seen uh, repair for a long, long time, and yeah. it just shows you how Brooklyn, how uh, much time has changed for us as well. So that, I thought that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. Um, for other character portrayals, for Janet. Uh, I'll be honest, I don't really care about Janet in the main continuity. I'm not a big Wasp guy. She just never stuck for me so my probably the most wasp i've ever read has been the ultimate stuff um i think she's interesting in this i really like her her costume and yeah she's one of my favorite wasp costumes and I'll, I'll say this for the wasp she's always got an interesting look like in any continuity but this one yeah. I, I really i really enjoy there are certain aspects of the hank pym uh janet like and this she's Janet Pym, uh, the Hank and Janet relationship that I think could have been interesting, it with a a more I don't want to a more sensitive writer, not in the sense of like oh well let's you know we don't want to make it like you know we want to don't want to hurt anyone's feelings, but more sensitive in the sense of like more aware and more respectful of you know certain topics like. A more delicate touch in, instead of yeah. a scalpel instead of a sledgehammer. Someone more concerned with actually exploring these characters' dynamics and personalities and their traumas and whatnot, rather than just using them for shock value the way I feel like Mark Millar does. Uh, yeah. That, so that does feel like a missed opportunity with her. Yeah. I also love the uh, secret twist about Janet that uh, is really interesting and brings in the world building. Yeah, and we'll save that. We'll save that for anyone who wants to read. But no, you're 100% right. That is a big world building thing because that sort of thing in question tied in so closely with other uh, Ultimate series launching at the time. Uh, so no, I, I agree. I definitely I definitely like that. And also it's interesting when you take into account her how she acts in the mainline universe as Uncanny Avengers. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> it's funny to, to think about. Um, and then, I mean, there's no, the only other major character I feel like we could talk about is Thor. I like Thor in this. I like the mystery of, is he actually a god? Is he not? Like, it's funny. It's, it's a, yeah. it's a fun twist on the character. And I like the way that he's like, no, I don't want to be a part of your ultimates team. Like, I don't want to be a part of this military industrial complex. If there's a big disaster or something like, sure. The Hulk's running around eating people in Manhattan. Yeah. Call me. I'll come beat his ass, but I'm not and about to go fight. And he does. And yeah, he does. And it's really cool, but he's not like, 
but he says, but I'm not going to go to the Middle East for you to fight for oil. Like, that's dumb. I'm not doing it. You're dumb. And I won't help with the Hulk until the president doubles his humanitarian aid budget for the next quarter. And I'm like, okay, like, this Thor is cool. He's fucking cool. I also love that to add to the mystery of it, he's able to, like, say some things that not all, not the other the others um haven't told anyone yet. Yeah. Like, when he mentions... Uh, like when he mentions that he knows Cap and he knows what he's struggling with, it's like that is like it's really like, shit. Like, is Ooh. he like? I mean, you because as a you would normally expect, yeah, Thor's a god, but they have some pretty strong evidence in this. And no, he's just a dude. Like, yeah, who had a psychotic break. But then it's like, oh no, but he's knowing some things that you can't really know. I love the fact that he really is sort sort of just different from. Uh, main Thor. It's like yeah. he has the ma- most major differences, but it's like it's really interesting to see these differences and how you would p- try to portray him differently. Whereas everyone else tries to stay somewhere close to their original counterparts, mm-hmm. this Thor is the this Thor is the most different. Yeah, like with, and that's a that's a fantastic one. I think with everyone else, they stay close to their original counterparts, but it's a way in which those core aspects or some well maybe not even core but some of the most notable or most famous aspects are heightened they're dialed up with like yeah. okay it's the 2000 that we can be grown up thor is the main one where it's like this feels like an actual i mean well janet too because janet in this one isn't as much of like a fascination like she's also a scientist like this janet does have yeah. a different personality but with this thor it does feel like okay like this isn't this isn't your normal thor like this is we we're not 100% sure what's going on with this guy like it's the same in the sense of like oh he's got a big heart and a big fucking hammer and he'll beat the fuck out of anyone who's threatening like innocent people but it's like his his motivations even are different in an interesting way like yes he still wants to save humanity but he's doing it in a more political way as well i just think that's really interesting and as someone who and i know you can agree with this as someone who's been pretty critical of mcu thor if they had gone yeah. this direction for Thor, I would have really liked it. Like this, Same. this could have been a more modern twist on Thor that I personally would have would have really vibed with. And also, I'm just sad that I saw concept art for what Thor would look like in Infinity War after Ragnarok that looked exactly like Ultimate Thor, and they never went with it. And I was like, yeah. this is this is hurtful. Like, give him I, hair the length of like the first Thor movie. Give him the fucking the Stormbreaker hammer. Give him like the cool black and blue like no cape guns out. Like that. That's what I wanted. Yeah, and uh, I this was my fault. But but when I saw that when it was leaked before Infinity War, I was like, oh my god, Thor is gonna go militaristic and everything. It's like, it's Thor's like gonna he's be gonna dope. Yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. Uh, my bad because that did didn't I happen. did like yeah it didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of the other things I wanted to uh talk wanted to talk about was something that ha- became a staple of the Ultimate Universe mm-hmm. that I think they got out of when it got around Ultimatum. Mm-hmm. But they well, they got out the, a lot but, of things when it came to Ultimatum. That was something. That's we'll a talk story about that, that I we don't there. ever want to talk about. <laughs> yeah it's like the the best thing you need to know about ultimatum is don't read ultimatum yeah don't read it yeah just uh know that stuff happened in there and if you ever want to get into the ultimate verse uh stop before ultimatum yeah just stop at a certain point yeah uh but basic but basically uh it's the call out to modern pop culture 
because mm-hmm. that is something that every one of the Ultimates universe does. Yes. And it, like I said, they stopped when it got close. Not at Ultimatum, but when it got close to Ultimatum, because yeah. it wasn't sustainable. But uh, Yeah, because they, they were making real-time references, but it's like, guys, this universe has been going on for almost ten years, and you guys haven't aged. Like, Yeah. Which, like, actually, like, we can keep talking about this, but that does move on to the other, one of the next questions I want to ask, which is how well has this story aged? Yeah, I think some parts of it are, uh, I think some parts of it are still pretty decent, but it it, it does show its age just no, because of all the, com- yeah, all the combined aspects of, like I said, the pop culture references of which, how many people still remember uh, Freddie Prince Jr.? Star Wars it's fans like, no- do, but yeah. Yeah. Like we do. Yeah, we do. Our, our circle does. Probably listeners of this show do. I, w- I would guess, but like, you know, Joe Schmo on the street, probably not keeping up with what old, old Freddie P's got going on. Yeah. But, um, there's, besides that, I remember like in other, in other comics, they, they mentioned Pokemon cards mm-hmm. and stuff. And I think, I like, think they wow. do that in Ultimate Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, and Ultimate X-Men as well. Cause mm-hmm. I do remember the first arc of Ultimate X-Men. It's pretty cool. And, uh, then there's like some of the stuff that they, um, talk about where it's a big PR where's a big PR push and there's not one mention of social media you know this has got to be old school now another thing with this uh oh shit I totally lost my train of thought it was something related to how it aged shit what was I gonna say Drew you you say something you think of something I gotta get my thought back okay so um if we're gonna stay on the topic of age then one of the things I think yeah, one of the things I think keeps with the age of the story also has to deal with also has to deal with like some of the uh weird viewpoints that started cropping up in the 2000s. Like there was a point where there's a point where um Janet and Steve go out to take him shopping and everything and Steve is t- speaking with Janet um wondering oh is your husband gonna be okay like with you taking me out to get new clothes and everything and like she's just and like she's just like joshing him and everything but uh the weird view the weird viewpoints start coming when uh like some of the reactions to some of the stuff like when janet is taking steve back to his place like we talked about the brooklyn thing uh her reaction to Steve to Steve's place being broken into is like, oh, Steve, like she's disappointed in him and everything. And this guy is just. Oh, I didn't. Up. I didn't read it like that. It was more. I read it more as like a sympathy thing. Like, oh, Steve, like because he had just because oh. she was talking about how he had just got together his old record collection. Like he'd done all that searching. Oh all yeah. She was like, I read it as she was disappointed for him. Oh, okay. That that that's my bad then. Didn't read, didn't read between the lines. My bad. Though this is not the last time when it's like I will. I guess like some of it was geared towards like how Jan and Steve's different ideologies become a recurring thing. Like, uh, don't really want to speak of this one directly, but uh, with two certain twins. Oh that, yeah, that's uh, a portray. They're barely in this story, so we didn't necessarily talk about their portrayal, and that's also like an Ultimate X Men thing too, but. Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch are in this, and I'll just go ahead and say it, because this is something we should warn people about ahead of time. I feel like they're incestuous. It's heavily implied in this. It's not confirmed until, like, Ultimates 3 or whatever, but it's very clear yeah. that there's a there's a, a strange vibe here. 
And Jan is just say, is just acting like Steve being weirded out by this. Well, is... that's in Ultimates 3, though, when she does that. Yeah. So that we don't have to worry about that yet. Yeah, we don't have to worry about that yet. But I did want to bring... I did want to, like, bring that up a bit because it, it it's something, like, of their dynamic and everything where Steve will be confused about something of the modern sensibility mm-hmm. and Jan, like, either brushes him off or tries to uh, give him some, give him some details of how things have changed. Yeah. I like their, di- I like their dynamic. It feels like, oh, mentor and mentee in a way. And, but, um... I do wonder sometimes if, like, the writers were trying to show, oh, these old-timey things gotta go, yeah. this way of viewing it, because sometimes it feels like Jan is a bit preachy in her A little dynamic. bit. I could see that. I could see that. So, overall, then, how well do you think the story's aged? Like, if we're, if we're gonna scale it, like, 1 to 10. 10 being it's aged perfectly. I'll give it a 6. The reason why is that... There are still some things that is just that's gonna take you out when you're reading it, mm-hmm. but I think like there are some things that are still really nice and solid about this. Like, mm-hmm. like again, the PR campaign push feels very modern, and you wouldn't get that in some of the older stories. But then you have, but then you have like stuff where it's like, oh, I'm here with Freddie. I'm here with Freddie Prince Jr. We're gonna have. We're going to have movie portrayals and everything, even though we're more of a military defense force. Yeah. Uh, So it's, yeah, it's a, it's a whole thing. I'll, I'm, I'm in a similar boat with you. I'd actually give it a seven, but like with the asterisks of, it depends on how old you are when you're reading this. Like if you're like fresh Gen Z, like 15, you know, 16 whatever and you're reading this it's clearly going to be very dated and be like what the fuck is going on here like this is fucking ridiculous but i mean at least i mean and i'm 26 so it's not like i was you know super duper sentient and whatnot in in 2002 but there's still aspects of this where it's like no even i remember things being like that like if you were alive and at least somewhat aware at the time in the time period that this was coming out like it's almost like, not like, oh man, nostalgia, like it takes me back. But I feel like it's less glaring of a, of a oh man, this is weird. Because like, no, you can register like, yes, society was like that. Like I'm, I'm, I'm in it. I know, like you can almost put yourself back in that mindset to a certain degree. You know what I mean? Where it's like, yeah. oh, let me switch to 2002 mode or whatever and obviously there's still gonna be some things where it's like okay you shouldn't say that and it brings you back to modern day we're like okay that's yeah that's not okay to say we we shouldn't have allowed that but like even with the pr push like i i didn't even when i was reading when i was going back and reading this for the podcast i didn't even think about the lack of social media like until you brought it up right now and that's a great point but because i was already like yeah i remember social media not being a thing like i didn't question it or second guess it at all i actually thought like wow this is like this is what would have happened like they're really like on it right now you know and then you point out yeah you know it's dated because there's no like twitter push or whatever i'm like huh yeah that's a good point that i didn't didn't think about that so i'll I'll give it a a seven if only because it it tricked me (laughs) so then one last question for like this more free-for-all thing before we just start talking about our favorite moments and then wrap up do you think this story or its characters have much of a place these days after 
you know, how the advent of the MCU and really a, a more modern sensibility to comic book storytelling, like, do you think they have much of a place now that the main universe is almost trying to be quote unquote as modern as uh, the ultimate stuff? Especially now with them bringing Ultimates back, I think it's just an interesting question. I think like they definitely, I think like they definitely do still have a spot mm. because, and mostly, be- and mostly because I think like they're kind of good foils. Like I think like if you, br- I think like disregarding the fact that they're being brought back, if you did bring them back to like have an interaction with their mainline counterparts, they're great foils to show how different things could have been yeah. if like oh uh how i get i guess the best way to say it is like could could our main universe counterparts end up like that and it's like possibly they Maybe. could possibly they could have yeah. it's like a lot of them are very a lot of them are very close i don't think the hulk will ever 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 yeah, be Hulk's ultimate run around eating people well i don't know he i think immortal hulk might have chewed on somebody but like he was supposed to be freaky <laughs> like well, um, well, I Amora Hulk never chewed on somebody. More of he just killed them in very gratuitous ways. Yeah. Oh well, he did like no, he did technically kind of eat somebody because remember his body was in like different spoilers for Immortal Hulk in a very gruesome, <laughs> incredible scene. Issue uh, two, I believe, and yeah, he uh, his, his, he his bits are in like different jars, and he like reforms around the person, so like digests yeah. them. That was freaky. Yeah, but um, like I said, I think all of them have a unique certain place. I would love to see the Hank Pims interact oh ultron hank would would fucking murder ultimate hank he's like you did oh, what yeah. to janet it's like it's like look i am part ultron and i hate all humanity and even i respect that woman you are going to die like hank's like i just had a nervous breakdown and that was the worst moment of my life you're a serial abuser of janet i'm going to put you in there i'm gonna scatter your atoms to the cosmos like I said, like, I would love to see the Hanks interact for just the shell shock and just, like, how Hanks sees, like, oh, crap, I really need to get my mental health in order. As for do I think these, this story and these characters still have a place, I definitely think it still has a place, like, A, for what we've talked about, like, almost a time capsule, but B, it's very interesting going back and seeing, like, where a lot of these trends of modern modernization of characters really got its start, like in trying to, I mean, obviously in the main comic book universes, Marvel and DC, like it's still going to be wildly fantastical, like shit that can never happen in the real world. Like it'll never stop being wacky and fun and ridiculous. But I do think that in some ways this helped popularize not necessarily more grounded storytelling but maybe i don't and i hesitate to say more adults because comics you know i mean it d- depends on your argument you know alan moore will say you know comics are supposed to be for kids and some people are like oh no comics have always been mature telling these mature stories it's you know your mileage may vary but it's changed the way characters interact i would say yeah so drew before we wrap it up what are some of your favorite moments of this of this uh, series? So I like when Captain America is fighting his way out of the Triskelion and he literally jumps out. It's like it's pretty much a recurring thing with him that was definitely brought over to the MCU. Is like he doesn't use a parachute. He finds a way of coming down without it. Now, he crashes a plane in the war scene. But in this one, it's yep, like, it's nope, cool. with just a tray 
as his shield, he jumps out, and I I love that. It's just so Cap gets a lot of cool moments in this. Yeah, I also like uh, when Iron Man gets to show off his armor. Mm-hmm. It's like he do- he doesn't get a lot of good showings in this fr- in this first run, but he gets some good. But he gets some good moments to show off his personality and everything. I also love the dinner between like basically Marvel's Trinity. Yes. If we're being honest, I was gonna put that uh, up there for me. Yeah, it's like it's a it's a nice way of showing the different personalities, the ri- the rivalries that are going to be in, how they're going to butt heads, but also how they respect each other. Yeah, so I like that. Okay, good calls, good calls. For me, I already mentioned the the Steve and Bucky moment. That's one of my favorite moments. Um, the even though the Hulk scene in general, like around it, is cr- like the way Hulk acts is creepy. I do like when the Ultimates fight Hulk. Like I think the way Brian Hitch like presents that action is really cool. And it makes Captain America like a fucking, like he's riding a tank, but it makes him a fucking tank. Like he, mm-hmm. like I, I, I have a hard time imagining other Captain Americas, like being able to knock over the Hulk, you know, let alone. I believe our cap could in certain circumstances, in certain but circumstances, like- but like, I don't know. In it doesn't, this Captain America feels like he hits harder. I think since this, his versions have become popular and since the MCU I feel like they've slowly made you know main cap like slightly stronger you know similar to how like yeah. they cast Hugh Jackman as Wolverine like the people have been slowly drawing Wolverine like taller and taller um, which I dislike but yeah, okay. I dislike he should be 5'3 three and 300 pounds forever um, <laughs> at most 5'6 but he needs to be a short man um, yeah so I, I but yeah I like the the ultimates versus uh Hulk fight. I also really just all the action in this is fantastic, largely because of Brian Hitch, especially the final battle with the, the Chitauri, I think is really cool. Now, I mean, this, this, it's fraught. I do like Captain America beating up Hank Pym. I think Janet has an interesting react, like a, and not interesting, and oh, that's interesting. Why didn't you appreciate it? But an actual interesting character moment, like when you react, like, dude, this isn't the 40s. You can't just go beat up my husband because he put hands on me. Like, I wish they had actually explored, you know, her feelings on that and that dynamic a bit more instead of just at the end, oh, I'm sorry. You just caught me at a bad moment and I was emotional. Like, no, like, in some ways, he he really did overstep. Like, yeah, Hank Pym yeah. needed to be arrested, but like, because the cops were looking for him. But, you know, it's not like his. I don't know. See, that's what I'm talking about. There are interesting moments, and he just doesn't. Mark Millar just didn't take them far enough for for my liking. Um, but that being mm. said, Cap beating the shit out of Hank was very satisfying. Like, the mm. giant Hank, too. Like, it, yeah. it's really cool. He just beats the fuck out of me. Like, hell yeah, Cap. Like, beat his ass. Um, trying to think. What are, what are some of my other fave, fave moments? Well, uh, like I said, like, like I uh, explained before, I do like all of Thor's moments when he's yeah. like saying things that nobody else should know. Like when he's talking to Bruce or Steve. Yeah. When he first shows up to fight the Hulk also. Very cool. Mm-hmm. like, fuck yeah, like Thor is there. And you finally get to see how powerful this Thor is. Yeah, that that w- that is awesome, and that's one of the, that's one of the thing reasons why I always love the Thor versus Hulk stuff. Mostly because whenever they fight, you're gonna see one of them get to go all out. Yeah, 100%. and it's just amazing. And I won't go into too much detail about this because this would be spoilers. And I, if someone wants to read this, I do want them to 
be able to go into it somewhat fresh without our perceptions. Um, I do really like Thor's involvement in the final act, like during that final action sequence, everything he does is cool, and the way they resolve the... The way Thor helps resolve the issue at the end, and it leaves you guessing, like, what is going on with him? Like, I I think that's really cool, and that's one of my favorite... Not just favorite uh, moment Thor moments in the series, but honestly, I think it may be one of my favorite Thor moments just in general, like in any version. Yeah. It's very cool. Uh, it also felt like classic Thor when Thor's Mjolnir could literally do anything. Yes, yeah, they play with that a lot. Now, Drew, now, do you have any any final thoughts, anything you want to say about the Ultimates before we turn the page on the rest of our day and get on with our lives? I think I'm good. I think I've said all I need to say with it. I like, I, like I said, I like a lot of the stuff. I don't want to spoil too much about it, but it's like, this is this is a really good time capsule and interesting first um push through the ulti- for the ultimates for the avengers basically cuz mm-hmm. that's who they are they're the yeah. avengers let's say. yeah so it's like i really love what they do with uh what would they do with a lot of them uh some of them i could have lived without but you know what it <laughs> yeah, makes interesting yeah, yeah. It make it makes some it makes some interesting storytelling. There's some interesting and, dynamics for sure. Would you recommend this yeah. to to our listeners to read? Uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say yes. I would recommend it just so that way for anyone who's a fan of the MCU, you'll see. Okay, this is the inspiration for the aesthetic, not the tone, but the aesthetic. So, well, certain parts of the tone, certain parts, certain of the parts. Tone, of the but tone. overall, yeah, you're you're right. I understand that agree. Uh. Yeah, I mean, it's, like you said, it's definitely a time capsule. Uh, some of Mark Millar's writing, like I said, it. I mean, he's not untalented. There are interesting ideas here. I don't necessarily think he always takes them far enough, and certain portrayals of some heavier topics do feel juvenile and gratuitous. That being said, uh, I can't speak highly enough for Brian Hitch's art in this. Growing up, he was one of my favorite comic book artists, and it's because of this and Ultimates too. Um, yeah, so I would recommend this with, you know, the asterisk, the grain of salt of, you know, all the, the heads up we gave you ahead of time with, yeah, some of this does not age well, but the character dynamics are still interesting. The way it inspired the MCU is very visible and it's interesting to look back on that 20 years hence and the art is spectacular. So yes, I would also recommend this just, you know, be aware of what you're getting into. So. Drew, now that we finished talking about the Ultimates, let's talk about us. What are you working on, and where can people find you? Well, uh, what I'm what I'm working on currently is what I said back in issue zero. Like I said, I didn't know when issue zero was going to be published. I'm trying to post it around that time, but I have a video on my YouTube channel, Fanfic World, that is talking about replica. That is talking about replica hearts. What I believe could fix one of the. One of the few little imperfections of Kingdom Hearts 3 story. I know, Tristan, you think it's perfect. I mean, but you know, I'm interested to see how you could improve perfection, but, you know, never stop reaching. <laughs> never stop reaching. Never stop reaching. But yeah, you can, but yeah, by the time, th- but at least by the time this video goes up, it'll be up, it'll be up there. Like, the video's completed, so it'll be up on the channel. And besides from that, you can also find my... You also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Drew Garrison underscore. I am trying to upload more frequently, but hey, 
You never know when uh, you'll have a surprise post from Drew. You never know. You never know. He's like a box of chocolates, everyone. You never know what you're going to get. As for me, I am, you know, regardless of when this gets posted, hopefully I'm still cranking out articles over at Screen Rant, because, you know, I need the money. Uh, and you can find me on the socials at Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at BackIssueBenz. I've also kind of fallen off on posting. Maybe I'll get back to it, you know, sometime soon. Maybe I won't. Maybe I'll just keep retweeting and liking funny things and, and sharing fun TikToks. Who's to say? We don't know. Anything could happen. It's 2023. Or maybe it's 2024. Maybe you're listening to this in 2099. Is Spider-Man swinging out your window? You see Miguel O'Hara? You know? Let me know. Send a, send a message in a bottle back through time. But that is it for this first official episode of The Long Box Hunters. Uh, if you liked what you listened to here, why don't you go and support us, really support the Nerd Stash in general, on Patreon. You can get all sorts of goodies and exclusives, you know, access to behind-the-scenes stuff where we're working, you know, on, on Nerds Talk movies, we're working on Power Up and Game, we're going to clash that. It's just all sorts of, of, of goodies, and, you know, help us out. If you like anything we do, consider giving us a buck. You know, we really appreciate it. Or you can join our Discord, the Nerdstash Network Discord, where we just got a gaggle of nerds talking about all sorts of nerdy goodness. It's fun stuff. We love talking about nerd shit, clearly, or else we wouldn't have so many different podcasts. You could also consider leaving us a rating on whatever podcast service you're listening to us on. I'd really appreciate something positive. Uh, but if it's negative, well, then I'm just going to think you're wrong, and you're just, you're just going to have to live with being wrong. So. You know, maybe take a look at yourself before you throw stones. How about that? You know, once you once you come on the show and you try and and talk about comics for a while, okay? Because it's really easy. All right. So like, you know, if you if if you want you want to guess, shit. If I think you're interesting, maybe I'll bring you on. Who knows? Anyway, Drew, it's been a pleasure talking to you as always. It's been a pleasure being here. Let's say we get out of here and go read some comics. Oh yeah, hell yeah. <laughs>